Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Hey there, and welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Joy Rios. I'm the show's host, and we bring on some amazing healthcare and health IT experts to share about their piece of the healthcare puzzle. And so today we have a great guest, Diana Knoll. I'd like to give you a moment to introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. I am Diana Knoll. I'm the executive vice president and general manager of the Nuance Healthcare division. And Nuance Healthcare is now a part of Microsoft's cloud and AI business. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? How did you find yourself at Nuance? Maybe just for the audience, I'll start out with a little bit of my journey, if that's okay, because I think it's always enlightening when I hear about other people's journeys and my own. Most of our career journeys do start with college. I would say I'm part of a first-generation college graduate family, and it was critically important to my parents that we went to college, we experienced growth, and, and most importantly, we got a job. And for me, I loved math and the aspect of solving problems. And that took me into selecting math and computer science. I think that foundation of solving problems and throughout my career with increasing complexity, it really created a strong desire to be very curious about how things worked. And so the early part of my career, I probably worked in every functional area you can think of. I worked in IT and logistics. I took a sales job. I led an engineering team. I worked in customer support and marketing. I also was lucky enough to be sponsored for an MBA. That really helped me with my financial acumen skills, which were pretty weak. I felt really lost at times in meetings when people would throw out these terms that I really didn't understand, like PL, COGS, OPEX, et cetera. But about 17 years ago, I really made a critical decision in my career, and that was to build a choice into working in healthcare. And so I started that at a company called CareStream Health. It was a corporate carve out from the Kodak company. It really provided a great experience for me. And then before I came to Nuance, I also had a wonderful experience at Walters Kluwer. I was the CEO of the company's healthcare division for almost five years. Today, as I said, I joined, it was really interesting. 
I had an interesting, just random meeting with Mark Benjamin, the CEO of Nuance in late 99. And the conversation started. And in June of 2020, I became this current role, the executive vice president. My main mission has been to help my teams really deliver solutions and experiences that empower healthcare systems and really around digital transformation, combating all of the challenges that people in healthcare are facing today. And then along the journey, we have been acquired by Microsoft in officially in 2022. I've continued my role that I have today, but I've also had the wonderful experience to become part of a broader team that is responsible for driving growth in Microsoft's cloud business for healthcare. That's a little bit about how my journey has happened and I'll, I'll pause there and uh, can, can continue to expand kind of on my career. Yeah, I have a couple questions. And so some of it is that one, I guess, when you first entered into healthcare, did you get the feeling like I found it? This is a place that's for me and maybe expand on that. I really did. And probably the first reason that I said that was I had the opportunity early on in my career in healthcare. One of my great learning experiences was, you know, why don't you go out, see how our products are used, see how people, you know, what do they think about the solutions? And that really, when you go out to, in this case, I was going out to hospitals and I would have people either be happy about how our solutions were working or, and they would be like, wow, this saved me. This saved me so many minutes in my day. It's so much easier to use this technology. It's so great. Or they were complaining and saying, you know, when your system goes down, we cannot care for patients. We can't get them imaged. That's a life-saving situation. You know, having the ability to impact the quality of patient care which we can all personally relate to, whether it's ourselves or family members or friends. That's really how I said, wow, this is what I wanna do. This is where I wanna work. I love the marrying of technology, which I had grown up in, but really for the purpose of saving people's lives, improving people's lives, improving patient care. So it was definitely, where I really found my true passion. I feel, I mean, I can attest to having a similar experience of just like, I didn't really know where I was gonna land in my career. And once I found healthcare, I was like, oh, this is it. This is, it's a journey that can last a lifetime and probably many lifetimes. Absolutely. It's such a big, broad, complex industry too. When we saw, you know, when we talk about healthcare, I still say that I'm a work in progress. I mean, even after being here 17 years, I still don't know, you know, components of healthcare, such as if you really get into life sciences and deep into that area. You know, my work has been really in the provider segment. So there's so many things that you can experience, but they all fit together. And especially with the way technology has evolved, it's really starting to be much more connected. Incredible and incredibly so, like especially all the technology having to work together to be able to get the right information to the right people at the right time. I am curious also about the timing of you joining Nuance. Sounds like that was right in the middle of the pandemic. And for those who don't understand or know what Nuance does, you guys do a lot of AI and I'll let you kind of speak to like the product and the services that you provide. 
But I imagine that during the pandemic, that might have been a transformative time for the organization as well. Yes. So nuance, probably in its simplistic terms is whenever patient care is done, it has to be documented. And so if you see your doctor, that goes into a clinical note. You likely as a patient see that in maybe a patient portal. But if you also have imaging done, a radiology report will be produced. And that is an administrative burden for the clinic. It's a wonderful thing that we're documenting all of this so it's clear with what is happening and what was discussed and what the treatment plan is, and that's how things get paid and how we continue to learn through research. But it's a heavy administrative burden. And so Nuance is really focused around tools that help automate and ingest intelligence through AI to help make sure that the note that is created is of the highest quality, it's the most comprehensive note, and it is done efficiently and as fast as possible so that clinicians and radiologists, nurses, et cetera, can see more patients. For me, joining during COVID, for anybody that has joined a new company during COVID, it was both a personal you know, adjustment. I was lucky enough that I had interviewed with members of the leadership team I was joining. I knew the company. Uh, I knew some of the people because we had worked together in the past, but it still was an adjustment. At the same time, as you kind of alluded to, our customers, our physicians and nurses were just being overwhelmed. And we had to figure out how we needed to adjust and to help them. And things sort of went through cycles. In some cases, there was even a heavier demand on some of our solutions, while others, you know, it was harder to get adoption, it was harder to get them implemented. It was harder to get physicians having time to train on these new systems. So it also taught us how to do things differently than we had done them in the past in terms of trying to get these out there in a way that was easier for our users to adopt them and use them as quickly as possible. When I think about Nuance, and correct me if I am misspeaking, but I used to work for an EHR company and I remember this is more than a decade ago. My introduction to Nuance was, I believe, through Dragon Dictate. Am I, is that feel like? And so I was learning in EHR. It had integrated with Dragon Dictate and that meant that it was voice to text. So the clinician or whoever was working within the EHR would have to click a certain box within the, the note or, and then talk into it and then make sure that it was accurate or what. And I'm sure that it has gotten so much more sophisticated since then. But it's a pretty cool technology in the sense that it's like, okay, listening and then making meaning out of that. Can you kind of talk about just, well, pull that thread? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm so glad you were a user of Dragon and you pointed out a couple of things. One, it's really important that when we build solutions, we build them within the workflow that whoever's going to use them will use them. And as we know, a lot of the work is done in the electronic health records. So it's really critical that we have these very strong relationships with all of the other technology vendors that really drive a lot of the workflow. For a physician or a nurse, it's the electronic health record in radiology. It oftentimes is the imaging systems, whether it's GE, Philips, Siemens, et cetera. And you're right, the origins of our work at Nuance really started with what you would say is a traditional 
you know, speaking to text. There is so much more sophistication that is required within healthcare, as you can imagine, because the accuracy of these terms, these medical terms, isn't the same as when you're thinking about using maybe Siri on your phone. These things have to be trained and have to learn and have to appreciate the medical terminology. That's one thing. But the other thing is we infuse now with Dragon, we infuse intelligence to recognize things that are discussed when you speak to it and offer up potential healthcare guidelines, things that did you, are you sure you check this based on what I'm hearing in the node and trans, you know, transferring into the EHR, there's other intelligence that is served up. There is also ways to automatically get that into the form of the note, the way you want it to be in terms of feeding back uh, for the patient record and the, the ultimate medical record. And most recently, three years ago, we introduced something in the ambient environment called our Dragon Ambient Experience. And we introduced that right before COVID, but that's actually where you can, in a physician-patient encounter right in the office, the patient, the physician's office, you have an application that listens to the conversation between the physician and patient in an ambient mode, and it creates the note. And then the physician, after the visit with the patient, looks through it for the correctness of it, and then signs off on it and puts it into the record. Now we launched it three years ago with an extra quality individual in the loop that does audit it with the audio, it's been training our models. And then recently we announced it where it has been able to get to the level of accuracy that now it creates it just solely with the artificial intelligence and it gets it to the physician within seconds after the visit with the patient. So you can automatically, you can appreciate that this is creating a lot of productivity for the physician because they can automatically see what the clinical note is, do some minor edits if they have any in the Dragon system, and then put it into the EHR. Equally important is building that trust with the patient. Oftentimes what people have said is they lose trust with their physician because the physician is constantly on the computer, looking away, they have their back turned to them, and being able to, as we say, turn that chair around and have the physician face the patient they can look more in terms of verbal and nonverbal cues. There's much more of a trust that is built. We have surveyed patients where they've said the experience is so much better. We have also surveyed our physicians that have said, not only is it saving me time, but the cognitive load of remembering everything that the patient told me during a visit, that's completely removed because now I have it there right when I leave uh, after I've seen the patient. And the patient sees their actual language in the note that's created. And that also gives them more trust that I was really listened to 
And there's a likelihood that they will better appreciate what they need to do in terms of their own patient care when they leave. So there's just a tremendous amount of advancements that we've been able to have since maybe that initial experience that you had. Absolutely. I think about not just like how difficult voice to text could be just from the very basic, but thinking about different accents, languages, you had mentioned the medical terminology, and then of course, recognizing the speaker of, as the doctor or clinician and also the patient. And so having all of that cohesively together sounds very uh, sophisticated and nuanced. It really feels like you guys are appropriately named. And I'd love it if you could kind of speak to how your solutions support clinicians experiencing burnout. And, you know, you had kind of talked about the administrative burden that is on their shoulders, but your solutions definitely help them. Can you speak to that? Yeah, so there has been information available that for every one hour of care, the physician actually spends two hours on administrative burden. So what we're really focused in on is how we can reduce that. And we can even talk about even some of the latest generative AI and where we think that there's promise. But we're facing a huge shortage. There's estimates that we're going to have almost 100,000 physician shortage just in the U.S. by 2025, which is really not that far away. And so if you think about it, you're having this burnout. And then also when patients can't be seen in a timely manner, they then turn to more costly and less personalized options such as the ER. They may choose telehealth, which is a great ability if we can actually do more telehealth, but they'll also go to urgent care. And so that also costs the whole environment and the system more money. And so between the shortages and the incremental costs, you know, organizations are really seeking technology that addresses this physician burnout. And so we do measure, we measure how these solutions actually can impact and improve you know, the situation for the doctor. So we've implemented this, as I mentioned, at a number of facilities. One of them is WellSpan, and they actually were able to see an additional nine patients per month in some of their uh, solutions, in some of their areas. They also said that they're experiencing, 85% said they're experiencing better work-life balance. And nearly 60% said that the solution reduced burnout and fatigue. And 94% of physicians actually said it improved the quality of their interactions with patients. And they were extremely satisfied. The patients were extremely satisfied with their visits. So when you think about trying to reduce cost, and so it saves time, but it improves the physician experience, it improves the patient-physician experience, and it also hopefully improves the overall quality. Now that will long-term, you know, it takes a long time to track all of that, but it certainly is on the leading edge of being able to tick off all of these things we're trying to improve in healthcare. Well, I mean, just having the notes ready within seconds after a visit. I mean, when I was doing consulting, we would, I would be working with clinicians that would take a while to sign their notes and make their notes of like long after the visit. So that piece in and of itself, I'm sure is 
wildly popular with your clients? <laughs> well, I think that's what's really interesting. So when we first launched what we called DAX in 2020, as I mentioned, we had because the the you know the the systems were still learning and and we wanted to be sure that we had an extra quality piece of that, we initiate a draft, but the draft is reviewed by a human, a non-clinician, but a human, and they go through and match and make sure that the audio and what's being produced is the right thing. And that continues to train the models and the models get more and more accurate, as I mentioned. But it also impacted the fact that in that solution, even though we automate the generation of the note, the aspect of having the extra quality uh, piece in the loop does mean that the turnaround time for the notes is anywhere between two to four hours. And people still loved it. The fact that in many cases they could go home at the end of the night and their notes were all done was amazing. But when we've introduced now what we're calling DAX Express, where it's available right after the visit, people love it. They say, yeah, I have to do a little bit of editing. It's in private preview right now, by the way, it's not generally available. We hope to have that in later in the fall. But right now, just the ones that are doing private preview are like the immediacy of seeing it is amazing. And in many cases, they're using it, they're doing their edits, they're signing off on it. Even if they say, I don't use the entirety, it's a great overall summarization and a reminder of how I want to ultimately quickly create my notes if I want to do it on my own as well. So it's providing a lot of different use cases that is very responsible, right? It still has the medical physician who is caring for the patient in control of what's being produced, but they love the immediacy and they can see how AI is finally getting a breakthrough for them. Okay, I have a geek out question and this comes from tracking quality measures. So does it identify the quality strategy for an organization and identify potentially like when I think of, okay, a practice is reporting on six quality measures and they're going to be looking at their patient population who has a particular diagnosis, et cetera, and then was a particular action performed for that patient with that diagnosis. Is it comprehensive in that kind of way where it can identify like, oh, this patient has particular condition, you may want to recommend additional care for them that meets the quality measure strategy? So I think where you're on is a, is a great thing. So first of all, the solution as it exists today does not do that, but we envision, and this is where we talk to our physicians and say, where do you think we could be helpful? And, and so being able to infuse more intelligence, one of the thoughts is over time, would you produce uh, things is what's referred to as differential diagnosis and some potential recommendations of considerations by the physician. Now, as you know, when you start to have technology and AI offer up suggestions like this, we really need to walk very carefully in terms of appreciating how that's being used, in what fashion, and for what purposes. And there's a lot of learning right now in terms of 
regulations around that? How should that be viewed? How do physicians, how many physicians will actually use that? But certainly the ability to serve up insights is something that most physicians think will be very promising for them in the future. Now, the other thing that you mentioned when you first started talking about this that I was thinking about is if we can actually get clinical notes in a bit more of a structured format, then we can also potentially, you know, a provider across all of their doctors can potentially do more insights for learnings, education, other things that they may want to evolve in their own patient cohort analysis. You know, that's something that if we get things into more of a structured format and then use the capabilities of generative AI, I think that may be something promising in the future. So it's, you know, you go back to why did I start my career in healthcare? I never thought I would be where we are today. I don't think anybody could could have predicted it, but I'm more excited about my career now than I ever have been in terms of where we can finally get some amazing breakthroughs. I believe it. I mean, especially within the next, it's going to, with AI and conversational AI and all of the insights that are going to be available very soon, the next five years are going to be so interesting. And you're right at the, like, right, get to see it all. It's going to be incredible for you. Yes, 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 it really is. So I, you know, of course, maybe I'm a little bit biased. I think generative AI and, and AI capabilities are going to bring a lot of promise in many industries, but in healthcare, you know, we're going to have to be very cautious because we're dealing with patient care. But even so, there's so many things that we can focus on in terms of administrative burden. And even by handling the administrative burden, we can free up people to work on, you know, what really they want to practice. And we're also building systems that I think are just going to allow us to be more intelligent and provide more insights down the path. So I think people are very encouraged about the inflection point that we're at right now. Well, Diana, I want to ask you one last question, which is for any of our listeners, maybe people entering their career who also have an interest in computers and computer science and math, do you have any advice for them along their journey? So, um, so I'll, uh, by the way, I always enjoy and appreciate, you know, especially women. I would love to see even more and more women in technology. I think we we still are somewhat underrepresented and up, underrepresented, and I believe that we just have so much diversity and value to offer. But what I always tell people is. What has really helped me in my career is that I'm curious and I have had a strong interest in learning. I've always wanted to learn about the people that I work with, the products, our customers, our competition. So I think using every day to learn something new really helps you develop. It helps you think broadly and having that resource to continue to learn I think the second thing that we just always need in our organizations are people that can adjust quickly, pivot, adapt with speed, however you want to call it. And that curiosity, which I talked about, is the first capability that underpins that. If you're continually learning, you almost will always know how to pivot a little bit. Nothing ever goes to plan. Something's better than plan. Something's worse. But having that ability to work together as a team, collaborate, learn, ask questions, all of that is really part of the success. 
I think the last thing is just collaboration and communications. Being able to be a strong communicator, a listener, and really listening to your peers and people, and then communicating and collaborating and kind of kind of constant communications with others is just so critically important. So curiosity for learning, ability to be a change agent, adapt quickly, help others with that, and then be that collaboration and that communications glue. Those are the capabilities that I think still to this day I still work on and really is what ultimately has driven my successes as I've experienced it. All fundamentally good qualities. Diana, if people want to connect with you, follow your journey, where would you recommend that they go? Yeah, please reach out, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm out there and would be happy to start a conversation with anybody. All right. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your journey with us. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle hit like a girl pod. Thanks again. See you soon. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. I am truly grateful for you and I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast or maybe leave us a rating or review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All those things help us podcasters out so much. I'm the show's host, Joy Rios, and I'll see you next time.